Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. We're going to jump straight up in it this morning and we're going to turn to, let's go to the book of Esther. All the ladies made some noise and said, it's about time. Sick of hearing this guy preach on dudes all the time. <laughs> Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4, and we're going to read probably the most well known um, couple verses in Esther. And then we'll, uh, we'll share a little bit. While you're turning there, if, uh, you know, if you're receiving from the ministry on Sundays, and I want to remind you there's opportunity. We don't pass the buckets um, during the, uh, the service. But uh, I do want to encourage you um, that it is a principle um, upon, uh, given to us through Scripture that we, um, that we sow, that we give. Um, and it's not just an Old Testament principle. It's a principle that's right through Scripture. I've walked in. And I'm still continually walking in the blessing that comes through being somebody that's a sower into the kingdom of God. Is there anyone here that's walking blessed as a result of sowing into the kingdom of God? Six people, I'm so glad for you. Um, but it's a principle. And the way I view it, it's not something I have to do. It's something that I get to do. Do you know that I genuinely, and I mean this with all my heart, I genuinely love giving back to God. I love it. I love when, when you get a, I get a paycheck and I get to, it happens automated for me, but I get to give back into, into the kingdom of God. I love that if I receive a blessing, I get to take a portion of that. I get to take not just, not just a, a tithe, but I get to actually take an offering and sow it back into the kingdom of God. I feel like at, at Christmas time, you know how we get pumped as parents giving gifts to your kids? That's how I feel. I have that same feeling when it comes to giving to God because God has given so much to me. And, uh, and, and I don't, you know, you never hear, I, I hardly ever talk about it from the pool, but I probably should more than, more than I do. But to be honest, I just forget. Um, but I want to encourage you as, as you leave today, um, let's, uh, let's be people that are givers and let's sow because how many believe God's got a great work for us to do as a church here in Orange County? You believe that? And... Uh, and so I'm so grateful. There's opportunities for you to give on the screen if you want to give through text or, you know, however you want to do it. Um, so let's jump into this, uh, this story. I've had a little uh, throat thing this week, so you might just have to bear with me. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get through it. I want to read um, a couple of scriptures, a couple of verses in the story of Esther. And uh, it says here, and Mordecai, say Mordecai. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this, I want you to say this word, time. Say that word for me. At this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. <clears throat> Yet who, uh, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a, say it again, time as this. 
for such a time as this. I want to share surrounding these couple verses. We're in a little bit of a series. If you've been with us, tracking with us the last few weeks, we've been talking about seasons. And so the thought that I want to share surrounding today is I want to share surrounding the thought that timing is everything. Timing is everything. Esther in the Bible is a well-known um, figure and uh, she is used radically by God in this incredibly um, significant season, if you like, of her life. I want to set it up for you what's happening right here. We're very familiar with, with these verses, but these verses are powerful, not just in and of themselves, but they're powerful when they're viewed in context of the story. Esther is a, a Jewish girl. She's a Jewish girl living in an evil time under an evil king. She's living in a Babylonian time under a Persian king. She is an orphan. Both her mother and her father have passed away. And she's under the care of this close family member named Mordecai. This is around the same portion of time when there is a um, group of Jewish people that had left this um, Babylonian time, left this Babylonian empire, if you like, rather, and they have gone back to Jerusalem and they've taken different trips back to Jerusalem for different reasons. This is around the same time when, when uh, Nehemiah, remember Nehemiah, he went back to Jerusalem to try and repair the wall. This is around the same time when Ezra went back as well. He was trying there to build up the people and get the people ready. This is around the time when Zerubbabel, remember Zerubbabel, he went back as well. He was trying to rebuild the temple. And so there were groups of Jewish people that were leaving the, 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 the Babylonian region to go back to their hometown to try and get things you know, organised and get things fixed, basically. But then there was this remnant that actually remained and stayed and Esther is one of these. And so it's important that we understand the context of this story and what has preceded these few verses that we've just read. Because what's happening in the story is there's this evil king and his name is King Xerxes. And King Xerxes, he's married to this woman and her name is Vashti. And, and back then they used to party pretty hard. And, and so what King Xerxes does is King Xerxes has a party that lasts seven weeks. You thought you were sinful. This joker rolled for seven, seven weeks, seven days. So Xerxes is rolling and, and, and he's got this party going and, and he's throwing them down and the dude gets drunk. And, and what happens is at the same time that Xerxes is rolling with his boys, Xerxes' wife, Vashti, she's, she's rolling with her girls too. So they're partying in another part of the palace, right? I'm not making this up. Don't look at me like that. It's in the Bible, okay? I know I'm a bit out there, but this is true, all right? So they're both rolling. And so Xerxes gets super drunk, right? I mean, seven days are going hard. And so what happens is he gets so drunk, he sends one of his boys and he's like, go get my wife, right? Because his wife was cute. So he says, go get my wife. And I want you to bring her up here because I want to show her off to all my buddies and show them how hot my wife is. And so one of his boys goes up, you know, knocks on Vashti's having a party, knocks on the door and says, like, hey, Vashti, 
So like the king wants you to come up there. She's like, what for? He's like, well, he just wants to like show you off. And ladies, you'd be the same. She's like, I'm not doing that. So she's doing her own thing. She's like, I'm not going up there. So his boy goes back to the king. He's like, hey, bro, like, um, she don't want to come. And he's like, what? He's like, she don't want to come. Now you've got to understand the context of the day. This was unheard of. Women back then were considered less than. So for a woman to push back on her husband, let alone to push back on the king, it was a big deal. Right, so this rattles his cage. And he's like, what? She's not gonna come? And he's like, yeah. And so he's like, so he's stuck, right? He, he can't force it to know what to do, right? And Vashti's just doing her thing. She's like, she's partying with her girls and she's not gonna roll up there. So he's standing there and, and Xerxes is standing there with his boys and, and his boys are like, well, King, like, like this is a bit of a problem because like we're all married too. And, and, and your wife is sort of setting a bad example because if your wife is telling you no, then our wives are gonna see that and then they're gonna tell us no. Like we can't just let this thing roll. We have to do something about this. And, and, and so, so Xerxes is like, okay, what should we do? And so, so then he's like, I got an idea. He says, let's go out in the kingdom and let's find 400 new wives. I told you, this dude's crazy, right? I mean, could you imagine? Dear Jesus, listen, listen. So he sends, he sends, you need to read your Bible, right? This is good stuff. Well, it's not, you know, and so he sends his boys and he's like, go get me, go get me 400. Like as if 10 wouldn't have been enough. Nah, nah, let's do 400. Okay, sure. So they go out and they, get, they find 400 women, right, to bring before him. And Esther is one of these women. Okay, so you're with me in the story. So what happens is Esther becomes one of these 400 and within these 400, because of favour on her life, she stands out. And so the king sees her and he likes her above all of the others. Fast track a little bit and I'll do it quick, but there's a turn of events that happens where one of the guys that is close to the king, a man called Haman, he doesn't like the Jewish people and he has a plan to execute all of the Jewish people. So Mordecai hears of this plan. Mordecai who's related to Esther. And Mordecai, this is where we just read. Mordecai says to Esther, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, Esther, there's a plan to execute all the Jewish people. And God's created you for such a time as this. You've got to do something about this. You've been given a position for a reason and I need you to speak up now and I need you to, you need, you need to step up for your people and influence the King to intervene. Are you with me now? Are you with me in the story? I know it was a tough road, but we got there, okay. I want you to understand this story for, for various reasons is often preached surrounding so many different topics. And rightly so, because I think we find them all in there. We can preach topics or we can preach sermons, if you like, around Esther. And, and, and we could talk about the boldness of Esther, which would be true, she was bold. We could talk about the favour of God, which would be true. But as I look through the story in the context of what we've been discussing across these last few weeks and the, the topic of seasons, 
It wasn't the boldness of Esther or the favour of God or the integrity that she had or the leadership that was upon her life that struck me. And none of those things, yes, they're all there, but it wasn't, I didn't see the story in that context this time. I saw the story of, uh, surrounding this, this title or topic of timing as being so evident in the life of Esther. I want you to see in this story that timing is everything for Esther in the story. I want you to understand that what unfolds in and through Esther's life is a result of her knowing how to navigate the season and do not just the right thing, but the right thing at the right time. Because you can take the right thing and do it at the wrong time and turn the right thing into the wrong thing very quickly. Timing is everything. I want you to understand the years of Esther's life, the early years of Esther's life that precede these couple of verses that we read about. And I want you to understand what this woman and this young girl has actually gone through and the challenges that she would have faced even before she gets to this period of time that we read about. You have to understand that as a young Jewish girl, she's growing up in bondage, in oppression under an evil king. That she's a young Jewish girl that is born into a situation that is less than favourable. That both her father and her mother have passed away and now she has this close family member, Mordecai, who's a good man, a man of God. And from her early years, he begins to tell her that God's got a plan for her life. And he begins to speak hope into her. And he begins to remind her as they would do the Jewish people, they would talk about the stories of how God had done amazing things and brought her ancestors out of Egypt and, and guiding them to the promised land and the miracles that she knew about. And he would cover her. Can you see Mordecai covering her and protecting her from the evil that's surrounding her? And he's speaking life into her. And he's reminding her that even though you're a woman in a male dominated time, that God's still got a plan for your life and He's gonna do something great in and through you. And as she grows up through the years and she gets older little by little, even though she doesn't see it on the horizon, she believes it in her heart and He continues to sow it into her and He continues to speak hope and He continues to speak faith into her heart. And as I see this little girl in this story, not knowing what the next season of her life is gonna look like, I see this little girl in this story and I bet she wrestled with this question that I think so many of us wrestle with when it comes to the timing of God. And it's a very simple question. It's the question of when. Because so often it's not that we don't believe that God can do it. It's that I would love, I would love to know when He's gonna do it. I know God is good at being God, but sometimes I think I could be a great help <laughs> if He would listen to me more. Because I think if God told me when, it would help my anxiety a lot. <laughs> and I bet it would help yours too. I, I bet it would help your anxiety. I bet you would be less anxious about your future if you just simply knew 
when? It's not that I don't believe you, God. It's not that I don't believe you've got great things for me. It's not that I don't believe you're able. I believe you can do miracles. I can believe you can bring a breakthrough. I believe you can bring freedom. I just would love to, really would love to know when. It would help my fear a lot. My fear of the future, it would help. Wouldn't it help your life so much? If God just gave you, I'm not asking for you to do it now, God. But just tell me when. That would be good, wouldn't it? All of you that are organisers and you've got a little calendar hanging in your kitchen right now and it's got the little squares and you have a little Sharpie beside it and some of you have got different colour Sharpies. I know you. And so you get the different colour Sharpies. Wouldn't it be great if God gave you a date of when you could fold over to the date and you were, I know what you would do. You wouldn't take the blue Sharpie. You would take the red one and you would do a red little square around that date and you would do little stripey little stars and point because that would be the day that your breakthrough is coming. You would, you would, you would. For those of you that are more tech savvy, you would put a little reminder on your phone and you would get your calendar out and you would put it down on your phone and you would put down, this is the day that God is gonna do it. And you know what you would click? You would click all day. Isn't it good when you click an all day event? It's not just gonna be a moment. It's not just be a space. I'm gonna click all day and it's gonna come up right at the top and I'm gonna count down the days because that's gonna be the day when it happens. When would be so helpful. I was praying, I was looking at listening and studying and looking at this story. And I was thinking about how helpful when would be for my life. And as I was praying, I felt, you know, I was talking to God about it and I felt God ask me, and I felt like God just say to me, why do you want to know when? I remember, you know, as, as you know, we were talking, I remember saying to God, I said, well, if I know when it's going to happen, then, then I know when I need to be looking for it. If you're praying for God to do something significant through your business, you believe in your heart that God's called you to build a business that's going to advance the kingdom and you're believing for a breakthrough. If you knew when, that would be great, wouldn't it? Because then you would wake up on that day ready, wouldn't you? You'd be looking for the deal. You'd be waiting for the person to walk in your office. You'd, be, you'd, be, you'd keep your phone close, wouldn't you? You'd be on alert. If you're single and you're waiting for a spouse, wouldn't it be great if you knew when? Dear Jesus, ladies, you could line up hair appointment, nail appointment, facials, dress. I mean, you could go into debt for that dress. Did God go down to South Coast and swipe that thing? Why? Because He's showing up today. My God, what a great investment that would be. But as I was talking to God and I'm saying, as I said my answer and He said, why do you want to know when? And as I said that to God, then we would know, then I would know what to look for. 
I felt God look back at me almost like and smile. And then as I saw that in his face, I realized how ridiculous what I was saying was. And I felt like God say like back to me, like you would know it when it came anyway. And then I was reminded of the story and I looked back at the story of Esther. And I think what happens is we fall into the trap of romanticizing this story too much. And if you actually really study it and you look at the context and really what's going on, you realise this is not a romantic story at all. We talk about it, it's like this this young peasant girl out on the street in a moment, he's plucked from the street and put into this position of promise and position of prominence and blessing in her life. That's not what it was. You're talking about a young Jewish girl under an evil king taken from the only family that she knows, brought to the palace and forced to be this man's wife. This was not a beautiful romantic situation for her at all. So much so that Mordecai, when she's taken to the palace, Mordecai goes to the gate and Mordecai is at the gate asking people behind the gate, is anyone, what he wants to know is he says to them, can someone please check? Because I wanna make sure that Esther is okay. This is, gives us some context and a glimpse into the reality of what's going on. If it was somewhat of a blessing or this moment that was to be celebrated in her life, you would hear Mordecai praising God and having a party because his girl has all of a sudden reached this moment. But we don't find that at all. I want you to see people that sometimes the opportunities and the breakthrough that's gonna come into our life is gonna come in a package that we did not expect and maybe did not even want. And if you are so locked into knowing your when, you can potentially commit yourself to your when and be looking for things that look like they make sense and miss out on the breakthrough that God's gonna bring into your life because it's not gonna look like the way you thought it was gonna look like. And so often what happens is we're so locked in, I need to know when, I need to know when, and we're looking for things that make sense. But more often than not, if we follow the God of Scripture, we know that God refuses to do things that make sense to us. He purposely bypasses our thinking and our understanding to bless us in a way that is beyond what we can comprehend. And it comes in a package that does not make sense. But we wanna know We want to know when. As I was asking, going back and forth with God, which I tend to do at times, and I had a second answer, if you like, another reason. He said, why do you want to know when so bad? And then I thought about it. I thought, if I knew when, then I could endure what I'm enduring a lot easier if I knew when it was going to finish, wouldn't you? I go, I do these workouts throughout the week and I go to this class and uh, one of the, the portions of the class, they, they, you know, they put you on a treadmill and I, I firmly believe it's in Scripture that cardio is of the pit of hell. <laughs> it's in the book of Moses chapter 4 verse 7. But I remember I get, get, you get on the treadmill and what happens in this class is they have like three, um, you know, you, you pace yourself and you have sort of three categories 
of, of uh, speed for yourself. And so the third category they call the all-out pace. And, and so the all-out pace is pretty much what, what it sounds like. It's basically as fast as you can run. And, and what happens is in this particular class, there's a, a girl instructor and she has a little headset and she pretty much just yells at you the whole time like she's had far too much caffeine, but this is just the way they do it. And so what happens is you get on the treadmill and then she's like, okay, now we're going to go all out pace. And I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. Okay, so I start running. But what they do is they, they tell you to go all out and, and then they give you this incredibly helpful portion of information. They tell you how long for. Okay, and so they'll say, we're going to go, now I want you to go all out for 30 seconds. I want you to go all out for one minute. And so when I get in there, I'm, I'm a little bit ADD and I know that's incredibly hard for you to understand because I'm so focused as a communicator and thank you so much. I really appreciate your encouragement and thank you for lying. But um, what happens is when I get on the treadmill and, and, and I'm running, I, I'm very easily distracted. And so I'm looking out the window, I'm looking around and just, you know, whatever. And I'm probably praying because I'm so spiritual, but, but I'm not, I'm definitely not. But anyway, I'm on there running. And, and what happens is sometimes I will, hear, I will hear the ladies sort of say all out and I look around and everybody's running all out, but, but I miss the portion where she says, how long for? Okay, it happened to me the other day. And so all I heard was like all out. So I'm like, oh dear God. So I pushed the buttons off. I start running. And then I'm looking, I'm like, okay. And then I'm looking at the guy next to him. I'm sort of trying to get his attention because I just want to know how long we're doing this for. <laughs> Have you ever tried to talk to somebody while you're running as fast as you can? You sound like you're praying in tongues. I'm on the, I'm on the thing. I'm like, hey, this, hey, buddy, that's it, that's it. How long did you do? And he's like just looking like, and then they've got the girl on, so I'm trying to get her attention. And I'm just going, because all I want to know is how long are we doing this for? <laughs> Makes a difference, doesn't it? If you know how long. One of the best things to hear in that class when I'm running as fast as I can is when the instructor comes over and she says, okay, 10 more seconds. Then I think, oh, that's okay. Because I could do anything for 10 seconds. I'm good. Like, oh, I can push through anything if I know when it's going to finish. But sometimes I think that's how we feel like we are in particular seasons. When we're walking through a season in life and we're doing right and we're praying and we're believing and we're reading and we're declaring and we're praising and we're going to church. We're doing everything that we're supposed to be doing and it's all good. And it's not that I don't have faith and it's not that I don't trust God, but I would really love to know how long are we doing this for? And when does the season change? Because I get it. Like I know it's a Christian walk and Pastor Ben yells at me every Sunday and tells me to just suck it up and push through and praise. And, and that helps me for a Monday, Tuesday. But by the time it gets to Wednesday, I start getting tired and I'm happy to commit to it. And I know I surrender my life and I know all the verses that I'm going to take on my cross daily and I'm trying to do it. And I'm trying to be my flesh into submission. But right now I'm just really tired and I just would love to know. I'd love to know how much longer. 
because I know your word tells me not to grow weary, but right now I feel like I'm growing weary and well-doing. And I just want to know when. When's it going to happen, God? I trust you. I'm walking it out. I'm believing about when. This was a Jewish girl. And then this random, obscure, bizarre, awkward opportunity comes her way that seems so out of context for what she was believing for. A Jewish girl, you're going to now take a Jewish girl and now you're going to put her in the palace and you're going to give her favor. If it was not for the discernment of hearing the voice of God, I think so many opportunities we would miss out on just because they don't make sense. And we're doing what we're doing. When I said to God, and I was, I was wrestling with that question of when, and I said to God, it would help me endure. It would help me to keep going. It would help my anxiety. It would help my perseverance. It would help the stuff I'm dealing with if I knew when. And, and, and the Lord reminded me of that little analogy of me on the treadmill. And then he said this to me. He said, when you don't know when, what do you focus on while you're running? And I thought about it. And I thought, when I've only heard just a portion of the instruction, you know where my focus shifts? My focus shifts in that moment to the instructor. Because she's the one that sets the timeline. And, and, I, and I'm running. And now they have like a little mirror so I can see her. And I don't take my eyes off her because I know in that moment, the moment I look away, I might miss the timeline that she's going to give me. Because understand that God will answer your when. He will. But He will answer your when with His when and not yours. And He allows us to go through those seasons where we're going and going and going because you know what it does? It helps us redirect our focus to where it should be. Because prior to that, I'm focused on what I'm doing. I'm not focused on the one I'm doing it for. And God's, God wants us in that space because what He has for us is gonna require us to be tuning in to hear His when and His plan. And so when this opportunity for Esther comes about and she has to surrender her when because her when doesn't make sense. This is, this is not what I had planned, God. I didn't plan this. So now I've got to listen to you. And what happens is in the story, and this is where you see this thought of timing is so critical to Esther's journey because in the story, what happens when Mordecai comes to her and he puts a challenge to her and he says, you were created for such a time as this. 
understand what happens in that moment. Mordecai, now he's a godly man, he's a good man, but he puts pressure on her to do something now. That's what he's saying. And you may not have heard it preached like this before, but I wanna show you that it's in Scripture. But because Esther at this point now has learned to surrender her when, she's not living for her when anymore. She's not living for the lives of other people's whens because that can also hold you back as well. Because I've found in this day and age, there are a lot of people in our circles that wanna tell us what we're supposed to be doing and when we're supposed to be doing it according to the culture of the time. But the more Christians we have rising up that are tuning in to hearing what God wants you to do when God wants you to do it, it activates His purpose and His plan and not somebody else's. And so in this moment, Mordecai challenges her. But look at what what she does. She goes before the king. And I want you to read the story. You'll go through it in your small groups. She goes before the king, which was an incredible moment because there was so much risk involved. And she gets before the king and the king says to her, "What what do you wanna say? This is your moment, if you like. Speak up. But she's discerning enough and and watch what happens. She says this, it says, Then Esther answered and said, My petition and request is this. I have found favour in the sight of the King and if it pleases the King to grant my petition and fulfil my request, then let the King and Haman come to the banquet which I prepared for them and tomorrow I'll do what the King said. And we've heard a preach before that this is a moment where she got shaky in the vision and, and shaky in her purpose and she was too scared, so she put it off. And we preach that you need to act now and now is the day of salvation and you need to get up because you're created for such time as this and you need to do it now. But that's not scripturally right if you follow the story. Because what she does is she says, no, 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 I'm not gonna do it now. Tomorrow, tomorrow. So now she's submitted now to not her when, not her purpose, not even Mordecai's purpose. Now she's submitted to God's Word and God guides her, God guides her by the hand of God to say tomorrow. And the reason why I know that's a big statement when it's not written there to say God guides her is what happens that night is so profound. She pushes it a day, say timing, say timing. She pushes it one day. Remember what Scripture tells us about one day? One day to God is like a thousand and a thousand is like one day. You think one day doesn't matter? You know what happens in that one day? The guy Haman who had, a, who had plans to kill the Jews, he leaves there that night and he's pumped about this party tomorrow because he thinks he's the man and he's going to this great party with the Queen. He comes out of there and he gets angry at the Jews. So angry at the Jews, he sees Mordecai at the gate. And you know what Haman decides to do that night? He says, I'm gonna go to the court, the king's court during the night. And I'm gonna build a gallows to get ready to hang Mordecai. This is happening that night. That same night, the king wakes up in the night. Dude can't sleep. He wakes up and he says, I need to read something. What they would do back in the day, they would keep transcripts of everything that was going on in the kingdom at the time. So he sits up in bed, he starts reading transcripts. And he reads a transcript, excuse me, about this guy, Mordecai. 
And he reads a transcript about Mordecai and the fact that Mordecai earlier on had actually intervened when there was a king's assassination, there was an assassination attempt against the king and Mordecai intervened and prevented it. So the king is reading that. And then when he's reading it, he didn't know this. And he says, calls his boys to him and says, hey, what's being done to help this guy? I wanna show you the verse. It says, then the king said in Esther chapter six, verse three, then the king said, what honour or dignity has been bestowed upon Mordecai for what he did? And the king's servant who attended him said, nothing's been done for him. I want you to understand, this is all happening that night, that night. And so the king says, <clears throat> so the king said, listen, let me, let me show, I'll keep the verse on the screen. The king sitting in bed reading this story. And he says to the guy, what have we done for him? And they said, nothing. And then you know what the king said? He said, who's still awake? Who's down in the court? I need someone to do something for me. Who we got around? They're kings. They would just grab whoever's awake. Guess who's awake down in the court? Haman. That joker's down in the court. Look at the wording. Now Haman had just entered the outer court. So you've got the king upstairs reading about this thing going on. He wants to honour some. As that's happening, Haman walks in and they said, Haman's downstairs and the king says, great, bring him up to me. So he says, Haman, I want you to do something for me. Haman's like, yeah, boss, what do you want? He's like, you know that guy Mordecai? And Haman in his mind is thinking, yeah, I'm about to smoke him. I'm gonna hang that joker out in the courtyard. He says, no, 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 no. You know what I want you to do? I want you to get him and I want you to put a robe on him and I want you to put him on a horse and I want you to walk him through the town and I want you to honour him. You know when this is happening? That night. Say timing. That night. It's all happening that night. Why? Because one Jewish girl knew what it was to submit to God's when. Say, not now, not now. Just wait, not now. Not now. It was those same gallows that were built that the king ordered that Haman be hung in those same gallows. That from that moment, Mordecai and Esther's position of power, influence and prominence grew. Are you trusting in God's when or are you locked into your when? Do you know, do you know, <clears throat> trusting in God's timing is so good, so good for your faith. You know how I know that? Because it hurts our flesh so much. And anything that hurts my flesh is great for my faith. But sometimes we get so frantic because all the while we're praying, believing and doing even under the sound of my voice as I'm preaching today, the seconds are ticking away. And the reason why not knowing when rattles us so much is we feel like we are running out of time. And we're trying to hold the God of the universe who created time itself We're trying to hold Him accountable to the very time that He supersedes and created. Do you know that you are living on borrowed time that belongs to Him? That even He tells us in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 25, that even the time that you have lost, He says, He says, I will 
restore. Who's going to do it? God. Who's going to do it? God. Who's going to do it? He doesn't need your help. He needs your obedience. And He says, I will restore the what? The years or the time. Because one of the worst things that the devil can steal from you is your time. And he's taken time. And he's taken time from your kids and time from your marriage and time from your mind that you've spent in anxiety and depression and He's stealing time. And the quicker you can surrender your life to God's win and trust the God of all timing, the God who owns every single season and submit to Him and say, God, it makes no sense in this world that you can restore it, but I trust in You and I trust Your timing. And if You're the God that can cause the sun to stand still, then You're the God that can guide and order my steps even when it looks like I don't have much time. Because you know what? The purpose that is gonna fulfill is greater than you realise. Lastly, before I close, Mary and Martha, their brother, Lazarus is sick, they run to Jesus, Jesus. Lazarus, your boy, your best friend, man. He's your buddy. He's, your, he, he's sick. Quick, come help. What does Jesus do? The Scripture says Jesus stayed where He was for three more days. Why? Because it wasn't His time. Don't let your need dictate your agenda. Right? They were so consumed with the need that they missed, that Jesus did not come to fulfil needs. He came to build kingdom. And if I can present my needs to Him and say, God, do whatever You want. My goal is to not get a need fulfilled. My goal is to build Your kingdom. Then I will easily trust Your timing. Because what they did not understand was that Jesus was waiting those three days because Jewish prophecy said that only the Messiah could raise someone up after three days. And the purpose was not to raise Lazarus. The purpose was to prove who He was. And maybe the assignment you're trying to hold God to in your life is greater than what you think. Maybe He's gonna prove to you something that's so beyond what you're asking for. But right now, what can you do right now? Because many of you are doing this. But what does Scripture tell us? It says those that wait. You know what wait means? Wait doesn't mean to do nothing. Wait means to look at with expectation. Those that wait on the Lord, He renews their strength. They will run and they won't be weary. They will walk and they won't faint. They will mount up with wings like eagles. 
I'm telling you right now, I want to build your faith. You're going to leave here different with something in your heart and in your spirit that's going to give you wings beneath your wings. And you're about to soar into your next season because you know now what it is to trust in God's timing and submit to God's when. I want us to give Him praise. I want us to give Him praise. Like you know that God's when is always right. That God's always on time when you feel like He's late. That you can trust Him. That you can continue to look to Him. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.